this is the second podcast from uh, Q Q and Ask or Q and A. Um, we're with Chris Barrett, who's a good friend of mine. Uh, Barrett Firearms, I think, is the correct name. Um, Chris is the son of Ronnie Barrett, the uh, 50 caliber, you know, the legacy weapon in the U.S. Army. Um, so here we are. Chris, how you doing? Great. How are you, Kevin? Man, I'm good. I'm good. So how was SHOT Show for you guys? SHOT Show was survived, at least. Like, nobody on my <laughs> team got sick. <laughs> yeah, nobody on the team got sick. Nobody died. Nobody got captured. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. But, well, well, I mean, you know, like, uh, everyone in the world that's watched Rambo, is is a fan of the Barrett 50 Cal. To me, like, you know, your dad's cool. He's a pioneer of our industry. I hold him in the same regard as uh, Reed Knight and some others. But, you know, you and I are cool, and uh, we've been friends a long time. And, um, you know, so that's kind of how this happened. And uh, I got a lot of respect for you and uh, what Barrett's doing lately with the Fieldcraft bolt-action hunting rifles and the Sovereign shotguns. So how'd that yeah. go and uh it shot and how's that going in general? Uh hey, thank you, Kevin, too. Man, I, I respect what you do too and, and you make it look like you're having a lot of fun too, so it's great. Um the uh you know, all right, Philcraft is um definitely a new venture for us, but it is it is right up our lane. You know, like we build precision rifles and we got to translate a lot of stuff into that rifle that uh that we've just learned over the years of doing what we do here, and it's it's being received very well. I mean, it's it's uh, been picked up by several distributors now. It's a fantastic price for what it is. That uh, you know, it used to be to get a rifle even close to this, you had to spend like that custom rifle money. And I got to say, I've owned all those custom rifles, and I don't I don't think they approach the uh, kind of repeatability or quality or fit and finish of this rifle. So. It's, uh, I think it's a home run. Uh, you know, as far as being a huge financial and commercial success, we'll find out. But it's, it's off to a really good start. Yeah, I mean, you know, I talk to you, and I'm a fan, even though we're doing something totally different. You um, electing to do, uh, you know, a Mauser 700 base action that is correct to size for the cartridge. So I'm a fan of that, and I hope it's a success, you know. Um, I mean, you know. Remington bought my company, and I was, uh, you know, I was an employee of Remington for a couple of years, and uh, you know, this is something I would have loved to have done. Mm-hmm. So, I love to hear things are going good. H- how about your shotguns? How's that going? Who man, that now that is a really really different world, and I gotta say that's one of those things that I thought was gonna be a lot easier. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, d- yeah. d- descri- describe what you're doing there. Like, where's Sovereign so, made? How are you doing it? Yeah. How are you introducing it to the market, et cetera? Yeah, so, you know, here we are, you know, in this in this game that we've been in for 30-plus years, and, you know, everybody knows us for these military weapons and all these other things. And But, you know, we hunt also, and, like, kind of the, the longer you stay in the gun culture, which you don't really ever get out of it, if you were born a shooter, like, you really don't get out of that ever, you kind of – you know, you evolve on through different facets of shooting. And, you know, over the years, even though I was 
you know, first introduced to guns by, like, looking at my dad's military guns that he had when I was a kid, you know, playing with an old M16 or a Luger or a 1911. You know, after a while, you kind of you study all those, and then you end up appreciating something different, you know, and that's the beauty of shooting and, and gun collecting and, and, you know, studying history is there's always something new. So a few years back, you know, I guess it's probably been several years now, you know, I started getting – interested in like some of the classic sporting arms and like once you understand the heritage of those and and the craftsmanship that's in fine english guns and double rifles and italian shotguns you start having an appreciation for those also and it's exactly what happened to me you know and then and then i'm a hunter so i like these things and you know i just saw an opportunity um to possibly uh expand our brand a little bit into something different and you know, made a great connection with a partner in Italy that has been building shotguns for uh, for 70 years now, and we made a deal, you know, so uh, you, to, to make this Barrett line of shotgun. And, you know, they're traditional kind of English, Italian-style shotguns, uh, but, you know, they're – I love them. I love them. They're really great, but it is a totally new world for me from the marketing side to the sales side of that. It's uh, completely different, but I'm having fun with it. Uh, you know, it'll probably never be Barrett, but – Whatever. <laughs> we got fun anyway. Well, I mean, I will say, um, you know, you and I and Trey Knight and others been friends a long time. Some of us first generation, some of us second. But, um, you know, I really admire you taking what your dad's done and, you know, basically transcending that into the next generation and uh, commercial firearms in our interest and, uh, you know, the shotguns and the bolt guns and, Hunting and uh, commercial market makes a lot of sense to me, and I'm excited about it. Um, yeah. So that's cool. I can't wait to see them. Uh, you know, that uh, the field craft, the little micro action, I can't wait to see, which I think yeah. probably showed some at a shot show, didn't you? No. Uh, we kind of snuck one out there, and then I just <laughs> sent you a photo. I sent you a photo of, like, the very first one of that caliber I just sent you. So, I mean, it was literally, like, they just got built, and, like, I think the paint's trying, and they shot it today. So, it's it's brand, brand new. But we did we did show one at Shot Show in Valkyrie, but we didn't call a lot of attention to it being in a micro action. Uh, we just didn't make that big of a deal about it, because I think we're going to, like, really launch that, probably, like, at NRA and a bunch of different calibers. So, I'm trying to get disciplined yeah. about ho- holding a product launch. Like, this is the difference between <laughs> – a young and mature company uh, in, in this industry and, like, the guys who nail it and knock it out of the park, like, really Ruger. I mean, from, from a from a commercial standpoint, like, getting um, – not that they may be our kind of guns, but, like, getting what their customers want, what they do is they they launch a product properly. And so that, that's what I'm trying to do with this with any product we make now. I'm going to have that ready to ship, fully sorted out before – you know, we really come out hard with a campaign, with a with a message. And well, that takes so much discipline. I hate doing that because you want to talk about it, you know. Well, you, you know, you're younger than I am, obviously, by by a few years. But um, you know, I hadn't been on the internet till I was out of college, and now that we have free marketing via you know Instagram, social media, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think you know that that's the privilege of being who you and I are. We can do what the fuck we want. Um, True. You know, NRA is cool, and we can launch products there. But um, I'm excited about the product. 
But uh, you know, okay. So I want to ask you some questions about Barrett because I'm I, I think most you know the two dozen listeners that we're going to have are going to want to know these. <laughs> these you know, how old were you when your when when your dad launched the eighty two? So I would have been four. I would have been four years old because I was born <laughs> in seventy eight. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. How old were you the first time you shot the 82, or, or you understood, or were involved? Man, you know, I, I cannot remember my actual first shot through an 82, which is probably ridiculous that I can't remember that. Uh, no, that's awesome. Up, it, it was so it, I was so young, man. I mean, I, I remember the first time I shot an M60. You know, I was at Knob Creek, and, like, it made Channel 2 News, and they were probably – horrified that there's little kids out here operating a belt fed. Because, um, I mean, it's like weird when you see how little I was shooting a belt fed machine gun. But the um, the 82, I'll tell you, one of my earliest memories with it, um, you know, kind of really being on board with the company. And this was this was really early for me. I probably was – I don't even know if I was out of school yet because I might have been just kind of not full-time yet. But Dad and I – man, this is glory days. We were at the Soldier of Fortune show. That was in Las Vegas. Uh, Soldier of Fortune magazine used to have a convention, and so you can imagine, like it drew some interesting uh, attendees. And but they had this awesome like live fire demo out in the desert. So Dad and I were out there, and this is back like when Dad is still, you know, he's all up on the face of everything at the company day to day. And I was shooting the 82 while Dad was like talking on a microphone that went through a PA system. So we were going to do a demo of how this rifle you know, could be shot and how low the recoil was. And I had my hearing protection pulled up on one side of my head so I could hear him talking on the PA so I would know when it was time to shoot, you know. And yep. man, he said shoot, and I shot, and I forgot to cover my ear. I forgot <laughs> my ear. So I'm laying out there, and it's just like, ooh, you know, it just goes to instant dial tone yeah. and it, which lasted for probably two or three days so that's one you don't forget but i'm like oh what a rookie mistake you know so that's how we that's how we used to do it the exact same thing happened to me this weekend i was hunting with donald trump jr with the king ranch in texas and uh nice. i had the same thing i had the ear protection on one ear up i was listening for the ranch you know the ranch hand to tell me when to shoot and i had a uh 300 short mag in one of our guns and uh i was listening to him said the air protection up and he said shoot and i shot and i put my air protection down and i'm still hearing the buzzing yeah it's ridiculous what do you think um you know barrett past and present like you know everyone knows the barrett for the 50 cal all that stuff um, yeah, that's been going on for 20 years. What do you think of yeah. Barrett now and, uh, and, uh, you know, Barrett moving forward? You know, it, that is a thing that is a blessing to be known for like one thing for 30 years, like you're talking. It is such a challenge though on the marketing side for some other stuff or for, for growing a company. People, there are a lot of people that just don't realize that we make anything but a 50 caliber rifle. So that's an envious position for a lot of a lot of other smaller companies. But man, sometimes it's tough. You know, we make all these other products, and I've seen people walk up to like one of our 300 Win Mag rifles, and like I've actually heard a person say, 
man, this 50 is tiny. <laughs> you know, and because they, uh, they, saw yeah. Barrett on, they saw Barrett on the side, like, oh, this is a 50 because it's a Barrett. Uh, so, you know, that, I think that really does define our past. Uh, we are the 50 caliber rifle company, which is, uh, you know, a niche market, but we've, you know, kind of got almost all of that. So that's what we're recognized for. And that's not a bad thing. You know, if you're Coke, like, it's great that you made the original Coke formula and everybody knows you for that. But we've got a lot of other innovations and other things that uh, are getting out there. You know, now you see as far as going into hunting rifles, so machine guns, you know, all kinds. Of, we've made 25-millimeter payload cannons and all kinds of other things that have been – that have made their way into use. And, you know, you don't get a lot of credit for all of those, and I'm not not trying to compete like in some of the same circles that the big Remingtons and guys like that do. But, but you never know. You know, uh, that, that may be where the brand is going one of these days. Everybody starts somewhere. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's exciting to me because, you know, I don't even know how you and I became friends or how long we've been friends or me and Trey Knight or, uh, you know, people who have been in the industry a long time and have made significant change and impact on our industry. Um, You know, and I guess, like, honestly, I don't fucking care. Um, You know, I like you a lot personally. Um, you and I are buddies. Me and Trey are buddies. Um, Absolutely. You know, and, and to me it's interesting because it's not guns. Like, you know, I don't give a fuck how much you like guns. If you're an ass or, you know, I wouldn't like you. Like, I I like you for reasons, yeah. um, you know, you're smart, you're fun, you're funny. You've made great impact on your company that's positive, that moves it forward. And, you know, and that's what I respect. Like, I think getting in this industry to make gun friends, I don't give a fuck you like guns right. or not. Um, but, you, you know, exactly. you're somewhere... you know, when, when we hang out, like, we don't sit there and talk about guns till we're blue in the face. I mean, we have other, we have other, you know, other interests and, and we're all interesting for a lot of other reasons too. Uh, especially Trey. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he and I got to hang out at Shot Show. We missed you so bad, man. Yeah. Well, thank you. And you, I miss you, miss- you guys. I'm, sure, yeah, I'm they, sure you had a better time, though. Well, you know, I don't know. You know, I went, I went, like I said, I went hunting with uh, Donald Trump Jr. at the King Ranch. And, um, you know, for me, I've got 10 months of back order. So what's the point of me doing a shot show? And I right. get to go do something like that. And, um, you know, to me, I miss you guys. Do I miss the show? Fuck no. Um, I miss hanging out with you all. Um, yeah. But, you know, there, there's you guys and three or four others that are, you know, that I truly love in our industry. The rest of it, I couldn't care less about. You know, to me, my goal is to be innovative, treat my employees good, treat my customers the best, and, uh, you know, basically do the right thing. And um, sometimes that's a gray area, and you've been in it, and I've been in it, and it's like, you know, with you doing field craft or sovereign. You know, where do you take your company? And and that's kind of some of the questions I have to ask myself. And, you know, for me, you guys are bigger than me. You know, I only need about 20% of the customers. The rest of it is not a concern to me. Um, So that's kind of how I govern this place. But anyway, uh, let's move on. Okay, so I have another question. Describe Barrett the past, you know, present, and future. Um, Yeah. You know, we know Barrett was founded on the 50 cal. Ronnie did something awesome. Um, it's been yeah. recognized in every avenue of our industry. And uh, kind of where do you where are you now? Where do you take it in the future? So, 
where we are now is we are at that uh we're at a crucial stage actually for a family business because you know it's it's uh I'm almost forty now i'm thirty nine years old so I'm the president of the company now we're getting to that time where uh, yeah, I can't call it like a handoff like people often use that word it's not it doesn't really work that way with a first generation entrepreneur it doesn't work that way so what we're doing is we're really just evolving through this next stage i I've built a team here though that allows us to it's ironic. Like what you want to do, what you should be wanting to do is actually get back to doing what you love, not making more work for yourself. And that's my goal every day here. Uh, I'm trying to build a team and, and, and have that we're just all continuing to grow together that, that actually makes this place go. And if the day comes that they just go without me, like that's not, um, that's not a horrifying thought to me. That would actually be like a great thing. <laughs> Can you imagine walking in your company and say, you guys like developed a new product that I didn't know about and like we've already sold a million of them. Well, uh, great. You know, that would be really cool. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's yeah, kind of I what, agree. that's what my philosophy is. Yeah, I, I agree totally. And I think and that's what we all strive for being leaders is, you know, we bring people in that we think are exceptional. We, we sort of groom them and then we hope that they do what we would want. We don't even have to be involved. I mean, I think that's yeah. every leader's goal. Like, I don't want to micromanage, you know, like, right. I, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't even, understand. I don't even know if we can always say groomed. I mean, like, am I a, uh, you know, am I a master at everything? No, but I can care for everybody, you know, so we can care for them and care about their, their families and like their professional growth and like help, help get obstacles out of their way. And I feel like that's, that's really what I'm doing for these guys. And a lot of these guys, like they groom me, like I learn from them. But I give them a space to do what they do. Awesome, you know, and and we all benefit yeah. from it. And it's just, I mean, man, the folks I've got here now, I, I love every one of them. I care about every one of them, and they they're just doing more and more awesome things every day. So well, that that's that, where we are now, makes, and yeah, that makes me feel good. Like we just we had uh, the engineer, the the primary engineer, the lead engineer for the fix, our bolt gun. It was his birthday yeah. day, so we all went to a bar, and he, he plays guitar and sings, and we all, you know, had a bunch of drinks and hung out. And, you know, we're all a family. We all love each other here. We're much smaller than Barrett. You know, we're probably 20 or less people here. And we had yeah. a fucking great time. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel the same Hey, you know, we, we, were, we were that size. I mean, I remember being at the company and being that size. And what you, you know, I think the key is like, don't lose that. It really doesn't matter how big the company gets. You can not lose. You can keep those, those great things. And you know, it may just be with your team as the company gets bigger, but it, it but it like, it permeates the culture. So, well, it, you know, this, this company is a lot so. bigger now. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. It really trickles down. And, uh, people that, people that don't, don't jive with you on that, they usually end up finding a way out the door. Well, I, I I will say I said it on the uh, first podcast here, the second one. Um, you know, to me, our hiring criteria is I have very brilliant people here, and I think if you see our, you know, the fix our new gun, and you don't see innovation, and um, you know, you don't see someone being brilliant at what they're doing and hard work and bring something new to the industry, you're just blind to it. But I think, uh, you know, I've got a lot of smart guys here, 
So it's very much that we want to drink a beer with you. If you want to come work here, are you cool? Mm-hmm. You know, we'll hang out with you. You can work. Um, you know, I don't need the smartest guys here now. You know, I've got probably five or six of the smartest guys. I just need people mm-hmm. that want to work, want to hang out, want to want to overachieve. That's what I need now. Um, so, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, like, I want the culture. I don't care to be the richest or the biggest gun company, but I want to have fun. I want to do the best at, be the best at what I do. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at. Well, um, well, hey, if you're not, if you're not, oh, sorry, I was gonna say if you're not going for it, can can I be the richest and be the biggest gun company? (laughs) You can, (laughs) please. All right, I'm I'm gonna go for it and have a good culture. (laughs) Well, you know, for me, I've been through a lot of stuff with you know the whole Remington episode with me, and uh, you know I've been poor in my life. My my family are factory workers, and I've been rich, and. you know, I've been able to afford my own jet, and I've lived in my parents' basement. And, um, yeah. you know, what I see now is, like, I love my kids. I want to take care of them. Um, you know, I love my woman. I want us to be able to go out to eat and have fun. But, you know, every day I want to come to work, and I want to do the best thing. And, um, you know, do I care to make $100 million or $20 million? Like, you know, I mean – the truth is, like, I started my first gun company at 19. I'm 44. Um, you know, I've been rich by moderate standards, and I'm using the rabbit ears most of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I've been able to drive a Lamborghini or have my own plane most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but now I want to come to work, do what I want to do, and I want to take care of my kids, and I want to, you know, be able to take my woman out to eat and provide us with a nice house. and that's pretty much – those are my goals. If I could get rich, yeah. like I want my own plane and a ranch in Texas and my own chef, and I've had some mm-hmm. of that. Um, yeah. but outside of that, like daily life's most important to me. So coming coming to work and doing our thing and being the best, um, that's what matters to me. It makes me feel good. Like I can't send my kids to a better school. They go to the best schools. You know, I can't yeah. buy my – my woman, a nicer purse, she's got those. You know, I can't get her a fancier car. She's got that. Um, you know, I don't need a bigger house. I don't give a shit. Um, you know, I can't shoot bigger animals. Like, I'm okay. Um, but I yeah. get a lot of satisfaction in my daily life. But um, how, how long have uh, you worked at Barrett? So, okay, like officially since – 97, 96, 97. Like, I graduated high school in 96, and I went straight into this full-time. But it's, um, you know, <laughs> when I was when I was 13, was I building, like, you know, 300 components at a time for government orders? Yeah, I was. And, like, especially metal when I was a kid. So I've kind of really been in it for a long time. But, um, but officially as a full-time, you know, quote-unquote adult since 97, I grew up pretty fast. Yeah, it sounds like Trey. Trey was, uh, you know, sorting brass at six years old at night. So kind of the same thing. Um, well, in, in your your mind, how, how was uh, Ronnie successful with your company? How was he successful? Yeah, yeah. What? How was he successful? You know, I, I just started reading a book on this called Outliers, 
And, uh, you know, I don't yeah. know enough about it yet to really go into it, but it's, I think there are people that, uh, that come around at the right time from the right place in the right background. Uh, and, and sometimes it actually has a lot to do with your place, like the place you are from, like physically where you live and, and, you know, maybe your birth order and like what it was like in your family. And dad, um, dad is a creative guy and, always was he was a photographer you know so he has a creative eye and he just yeah. has, he has that th- he has that intangible thing that um you know people kind of write the american dream books about that it's hard to put your finger on it so there's been it, everything was right like everything was in alignment it was 1980 something you know 81 82 uh there was nothing else like this product he had so it was, it was disruptive and you yep. had a 27, you had a 27 year old that, and, and you remember being 27, and maybe we still feel like this to some degree. You don't know that you can't do things, and that's a phrase that he uses a lot. And I think the older you get, like the more we know that was true. Uh, you know, yeah. kind of in our in our age, we become like more conservative or cautious in our decision making and things like this. But you know, like when well, I was 18, I got a, I moved out and got a house when I was 18. Like I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do that. Like. That now, you know, everybody thinks you're a child to your 30. So it, it's just, it's that, it's that possibility of youth. Well, and, and I, brilliant. I, I think, you know, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I've been part of a couple of entrepreneur studies at Georgia Tech and at Harvard. And, you know, one thing I've learned and what I think is like, I'm, I'm on the low end, you know, like they'd have 200, um, people they would study and the high end would be like Warren Buffett and Steve Jobs and the low end would be somebody that owns sandwich shops in their community and uh, what you find are people that are willing to take risks and you know I don't I don't disagree like when I started advanced armament I lived I was in college lived in my parents basement like I had nothing to lose Um, so I think there's some of that that comes with it and um you know, that fortunately or unfortunately, that's carried with me throughout life. And now 44, I'm a single dad of uh, three kids, uh, you know, 11, 12, and 14 years old. And I'm still willing to take risks. Like, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't see it any other way. I think if you're 35, you know, you know, what was interesting uh, 10 years ago was when, when I realized I was successful, you know, by modern standards. You know, I was never going to need a job. I made plenty of money. Um, you know, I was probably making a million bucks a year, um, which was unheard of where I lived. But I lived in a fancy neighborhood with professional ball players and stuff like that. And um, I was able to do something I loved. And the professional ball players probably not, but I had a, a neighbor who owned funeral homes and you know, I had a neighbor who was uh, a CPA who owned a tax firm, stuff like this. But I was able to do what I loved and make that kind of money, and that was very rare. Um, yeah. And I loved what I did, and I wouldn't have done anything else. But I started young enough to where I wasn't afraid to lose because I didn't have shit. And I think when you're 35 and you have kids in, you know, private school and you got a mortgage and you got a BMW payment and your wife has a Mercedes payment, that's very scary. But to me, like, I paid cash for my first house when I moved out. I drove a Nissan Stanza that was 10 years old. 
Like, I had nothing had to a, fucking lose. I had a Nissan Santa. I can't believe that. What color was yours? Maroon. I bought it from some brother who was a drug dealer. Had rims on it mm-hmm. and, like, fancy windshield wipers. <laughs> Man, mine was, like, the uh, like grandmother blue. It's awesome. <laughs> Got a bike yeah. roof rack on top of it. <laughs> oh, oh, I loaded on that. But, you know, the thing was, like, I didn't know. And so now, like, I'm so willing to risk. Like, it's it's hard to beat me because I think I have a good eye for the industry. I think I create a good atmosphere where people want to come work, and I'm not afraid to fight. I'm not afraid to risk. And, um, you know, I love what I do. I think I've got a decent vision. And, um, you know, and it, it makes it easy because, like, I'd move back in with my parents in a second. And I think that mm-hmm. uh, that's different than most people. Mm-hmm. So. I don't, um, I don't know about the moving in with the parents thing, man. <laughs> I'm not no, sure. Yeah. About <laughs> yeah. Well, at this age, I'm probably lying by saying that. But, <laughs> but it, it, um, I'd be pretty down. I'd be, I'd be pretty down for that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, hey. Why wasn't uh, Ronnie more successful with Bear? Like, why didn't he grow up before you got involved? Like, um, well, you know, it, it did, but I think, um, uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess business has grown faster than that in the past. But it's, um, you know, this thing started. He didn't have wealth before this. Like, there was no family wealth that built the business and got it rolling really fast. You know, things do take time. Uh, the U.S. Army adoption that happened in the early 2000s is like, was really the tripping point. You know, that's a big thing. Or was, you know, like our industry yeah. has changed a lot, as you know. I mean, it's, no, have it's you noticed that our, our industry is almost like tech industry now. People are like, oh, did you see the new key rifle for 2018? You know, it's like, well, you know, back in the 50s, like a Remington, a Winchester Model 70 was the same rifle for like 40 years. And but now yeah, it's like people are, looking, people are looking for model year enhancements. So, you know, I think he's, uh, you know, it grew at its rate that it could. But, uh, there's, of course, there's other things he could have done. And, uh, but he's also, he's a principled guy and he didn't do them. So he's, he's not an opportunist and he's always been an anti-debt guy. And so he never used debt. And, you know, but like, look who's laughing now. He, he's sitting here at his age and, and has got everything. This is a debt-free company, always has been. Other people, you know, would have looked to private equity or would have really leveraged the company and done major things. But it, it, things grow at a different rate when you save up money to buy your next CNC machine or your next building expansion, you know, as you know. And, uh, well, so I think. Yeah. That that's where I was in my first company. You know, I never had debt. So when I sold, sold Advanced Armament for twenty two million, I got you know I got twenty two million dollars. Um, and that's hard for a lot of people to think of now. And I think you know within my side of the industry, when you see Silencer go, you know they got forty million in debt, and the two owners just got tossed out by the investors. Um, mm. You know, like I don't have debt. I don't get tossed out by anyone. And it's a great feeling. Yeah. Like, I can say fuck you all I want on this podcast or on <laughs> anything. Like, no one fucking governs me. Um, you know, no one's coming to repo my machine. So I, I do think it's a bit of an advantage. Well, um, you know, it, it, y'all's is an interesting story that I love, if you know. What do you uh, 
what do you think about who are some people you admire in the industry other than you know Ronnie Barrett? Uh, man, I love everything you do because, like I told you when we opened, um, you're not you're not bound by a lot of uh, a lot of all these other things, a lot of all the pressures of the big corporations, and you're having fun at what you're doing. And I can, you know, everybody can tell you're having fun first and doing what you want to do. So uh, that is uh, that is a very cool thing. So I admire you so much, Kevin. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much. That's flattering. <laughs> Um, you know, I appreciate. But, it. I do. I do have a great time at what I do, and I think we're good at it. You know, yeah. I like kicking ass. Well, any anybody else or any, any other company? Yeah, like? I mean, there there are. Um, for some reason, I like. I really like Quantity. I like the guys at Quantity. I like all the people that work there, and I and you can tell. Like, uh, I guess I am impressed by some of these big companies because I know how hard it is to get there, and there they are, a family business still. And they're still very innovative, I think, within within their lanes, you know, of, of ammunition. And look at the company they've built. And you can tell those guys are gun guys, and they kind of do what they want. They come out with, you know, loadings for cartridges that, like, should not really be commercially successful. And they just do it anyway because they want to. Uh, and then I think to some degree they make them. They make cartridges more popular. So, yeah, I really like the guys at Hornady. And, and, you know, there's a lot of folks in the industry. I respect, but they're they're definitely one um, like the family, like the stuff they do. They make great products, so definitely the Hornady. Yeah, yeah, Hornady's been great. They're working with me now on a new cartridge, and uh, no, I agree. They're exciting. Um, yeah, you know, Hornady because you, you can you can tell the companies that are solely making decisions based on ROI, and it's. Um, you know, as as our companies grow, you know, we have to pay attention to things like that, too. But it has to be balanced with uh, the passion and passion for innovation. It, it has to. If not, you just turn into and, – and there's companies that make millions of dollars just, like, serving the market commodities. But uh, they, they do what they do. You know, me and you don't want to do that. So I really respect the guys that um, that still are in this for the love, you know. And yeah, learn how to make it, a lot of, and learn how to make a lot of money at it. I mean, if you can do both, yeah. like, there ain't nothing wrong with that, you know. Uh, oh, totally. Yeah, I, I, I really love Hornady and what they've done compared to some of the other ammo companies, especially me being affiliated with Remington. But when I was doing, you know, we did 300 blackout. Hornady jumped on it right away before Remington yeah. did. Remington owned my company, and now yeah. I, I'm trying to do a new cartridge, which is 300 blackout's big brother, 86 Creedmoor. Which is a 308 with a 338 bullet in it. It's like 338 federal, but uh, the Creedmoor treatment to the case, super in yeah. sonic. And they jumped on it right away. And um, I, I you know, love it. Is that is it a two? Does it fit in a 2.8 inch magazine box like short action? Yeah, it's in a. Um, well, it fits an SR25 mag. Um, oh yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And that was Love kind it. of a goal, you know, like I'm not trying to reach, you know, I want it to be accessible to everyone. The reality is 20% of the people are our customers. Um, but we're doing that. So we're shortening 338 Creedmoor case by probably 150,000. Um, we're putting supersonic but 300 grain subsonic bullets in it and uh, expanding subsonic bullets. And, um, you know, it's something I took this hunting this weekend with Donald Trump Jr., 
you know, it's as quiet as a 22 long rifle with a 300 grain bullet. So, you know, it's quieter than a compound bow. And if you're talking inside of, uh, you know, 75 yards, the subsonic is lethal. Um, yeah. So that's exciting. So, Horn- yeah, Hornady is a cool company to me. Um, yeah, I like them. So, yeah, yeah, me too. Well, let me ask you this, and and this could be a little sensitive, but I hope not because I'm not trying to put you on the spot. But why didn't 6.8 work out? No, it's actually that's not sensitive to me. Um, it's uh, why didn't it work out? Um, I think you just mentioned something earlier when you were at Remington. You know, another company jumped on blackout faster than your own company, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure so did. look at look at 6.8 and look at um, 260 Remington, you know, both, both those cartridges had a, uh, a really strong, like, opinion leader cult following in their own lanes, and Remington just like, you know, hey, it's like they plowed the ground and then didn't, like, reap the harvest. They just didn't do anything. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, um, I gotta say, you know, and I'm, I'm sure I still have friends at Remington, I guess. I don't know what's going on over there, but they screwed that up. Um, it was also like a big enthusiast community for that, and a lot of people, I don't know if they ever knew this, but it was a big enthusiast community with like forums, and these guys were trying to push this cartridge uh, like to un- unrealistic velocities for like what the, the cartridge could do, and they ended up coming up with a lot of what I've, I'm going to just call them crazy ideas. You know, they were not engineers. They were not gun designers. They were just trying to handle this thing as fast as they could. And then we ended up with this SPC-2 chamber. I mean, it just got into all this craziness. And there was a, a cartridge company trying to make cartridges that were loaded really hot like that also. And So it just it didn't get the support from the mothership the way it could have. So if we say that, you know, the way – if we say the way that Hornady – Release Creedmoor is the archetype. Like, well, Remington did it awful. Like, they just did it terribly. Yeah, I mean, Remington just fucking sucks. Like, I was there for a couple <laughs> well, of years. Okay. And, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you and Trey are both very. Ni- you're nicer than me, and you're politically correct. Like, yeah, Remington, Kevin, do you see my diplomacy? You saw I do that. <laughs> What's that? Do you see my diplomacy? How I like eased into it yeah. and then, like. You just yeah. summarize it in like a phrase. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they're they just fucking horrible. They're morons, <laughs> and they have no one in charge that can see, you know, in front of, in front of their face. It, 260 Remington's fucking awesome. 6.5 Creedmoor, not a ton better, but it's better a little bit for yeah. most people. And it's yeah. mass-produced, and the Hornady ammo is fucking spot on. We're talking half MOA for every box of ammo they make. So why do you need to? Yeah, why do you need to load ammo? You don't. You buy Hornady yeah. ammo. Like I tell you what, my my buddy Little D, Donald Trump Jr., he brought his own ammo and own gun this week, and I shot the first the first animal um, on our hunting trip with a six five Creedmoor with a silencer with Hornady ammo, and he's like, why the fuck am I hunting without a silencer? And what cartridge are you shooting? And I said, you know, I'm shooting six five Creedmoor. He's shooting 260. He's like, well, I'm going to put this gun in the case. Can I use your gun? I said, sure. So I had a second one with me. I used 308. And, uh, you know, went to the range. He shot a group. He was confident with it. He went out and he shot the other four animals he shot on our trip with that gun. 
um, you know, my man can shoot. And it just shows, like, Hornady did such a great job with that, and I'm so impressed with them, and I'm so excited. It's so cool to see a company of that size trying to be innovative, do something different, do something that's right. You know, they didn't do something. Yeah. They didn't do six five Creedmoor for the sake of doing a new cartridge. They did it because it was the right thing to do, and they can make stuff that worked for the average guy. And, um, yeah. you know, I applaud them for that. I, I so, do, too. Um, I, I, you, know, and, and, you know, me and you can have anything we want. Like, we could get any kind of exotic thing, you know, we could get our hands sure. on. And uh, that's why I shoot a six five Creedmoor, and I tell people, I used to reload an equipment. Like, I don't do any of that anymore. Like, I don't have time for that. I'm going to buy... I'm going to buy, I've got my Philcraft rifle with a can on it, and thank you for sending me a suppressor. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to, I buy cases of that Precision Hunter ammo, and I'm done. Like, I get to think about having fun now. Uh, not that reloading is not fun, but it's just like you can spend more time hunting and shooting or doing whatever you want. Don't have dude, to about that. dude, motherfucking right. Like, you and I have kids that are getting older. Like, dude, I want to you know, make dinner for my kids and hang out and play board games or I want to go reload. Like, when Horny's producing killing ammo that's half MOA, like, I shoot pretty well, mm-hmm. you shoot pretty well. I'm not saying, you know, that I'm, you know, bench rest world champ, but, like, you know, I don't know. I killed a deer in New Zealand, cold bore shot 950 yards this year. Not many people in the world can do that. And I did that's that. incredible. With, yeah, with Hornady factory ammo. Like, I don't need to reload ammo. Like, talk yeah. to me when you do that about hand-loading ammo. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, but, okay, well, that's cool. Well, what about, uh, let's shift gears. Like, I've driven a Raptor since 2010. How do you like that new aluminum one? Yeah, man, it's, it is way more better. And it's, like, everything <laughs> better. It's alive. I mean, <laughs> I was all concerned. I was all concerned about the V6, but it's like, it's twice as aggressive. It's like nimble. It's eager. It's just, it's 500 foot pounds of torque or 510. I love it. Love that truck. You jumped it yet? I hope they, I, I have attempted to jump it, but I don't know if I ever catch air. Cause like, I don't think I have the balls <laughs> to really hit it hard enough. You know, I've gone over train tracks. I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to get some air and you hit it. And it's like, you wouldn't even spill your cup of coffee on the inside. You know, you know how they do. It's got so yeah, much yeah, travel. they're good. They're good. I hope they never. Um, I hope they never quit making that vehicle though, because it's like that's my vehicle. I, I have to drive one of those forever. It's everything I want. Well, you ball like they up the price from fifty to seventy five grand. I'm not sure I'll yeah. get it. <laughs> but yeah, man, you, you will. know, you will. But you, you, you guys make money, so we'll see. Um, well. Um, you know what happened? It, it, your your genetics—that's your mom's side of the family. Cause you're bald like me. Your dad's got that fucking fair faucet head of hair. What's up? I know, I know. It must be from the mom's side. Um, <laughs> but he like so now. I'm just flaunting my beard around the office because he can't do that. He can't grow the beard. But uh, he does. Have <laughs> oh, that. he can't. No, no, no. But he does have a beautiful Aquanet hair. It's like he's got a lot of hair. <laughs> And always has. Yeah, I know. It's it's a cool joke, man, but I've, uh, yeah. yeah. I just started breaking down and completely shaved my head. Yeah, people give me a hard time. I don't care. It's never stopped me from, you know, whatever. Um, 
Um, well, what do you see in the future for Barrett Firearms? What do you want beyond the shotguns and the bolt guns? Like, what are you hoping for, man? Um, you know, like on my immediate horizon, I've got some expansions to some of the products we make now. And I think that's the thing that we've really, you know, had the greatest. We've done poorly on exploiting or, you know, full. I really want to grow MRAD out. Um, I really want to see this machine gun uh, get used with a major country, which I think it will. We've done a lot of great things on that that the public just doesn't see yet. And and maybe maybe they kind of see it as a little bit out of our lane, but uh, you know when we have a good idea and know how to do something, we go for it. So I see continue to grow the products we have. I don't want to get crazy. I don't ever want to be. Uh, I, I'm, in my lifetime, I'm not going to be a Ruger with like handguns and all this stuff and, and a full product line. I want to really do what we do well and continue to do it and really play in that. But you know, like I said earlier, I'm trying to I'm trying to grow a business that uh, that really goes way beyond me, and uh, I want to see a room full of guys in there and guys and girls that are, you know, designing at ten times the rate that me or Dad can, and and we're trying to we're really getting there. So oh that, yeah, and I hope I hope I hope it does turn into a big company. You know, I want it to be a big company that's around. We, we, of course, we never know what's going to happen, and who knows what's going to happen with firearms in the United States or in general, or like when we're going to have our next like major technological breakthrough. But I hope if my kids want to do this, it's here for them, uh, and if they don't want to do this, it's here to make money so they can do what they want to do. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I guess you're probably thinking along the same lines now, but we need to have fun here while we're doing it, and maybe maybe that's really what my goal should be: have fun, relax a little bit. And, and just enjoy enjoy these blessings we got because you know not a lot of not a lot of people get to do this what we're doing. What yeah, I would I would say uh, you know I would say that's insightful. I say there's moments where you and I and Trey and other people take it for granted, but you know most people work all week to be able to do this shit on the weekends or to save money to buy our stuff. And you know I mean I know for one like I'm a pretty big asshole, but I'm extremely grateful of that. And, um, you know, I really strive to bring something new and to be the best and to really kick ass and not compromise. And, you know, I'm not trying to take anybody's money. Like, you know, you and I are both smart enough to get jobs if we want. But, um, you know, I, I want to help to continue to innovate and grow our industry. So that's exciting to me. Um, you know, and I'd love to see Baird around, you know. Like, I'm not that close to your dad, but you and I are buddies and – um you know, there's a lot of doing it for the right reasons, and, like, I don't view you as one of those guys that's, you know, doing this just to make money. Um, so that's exciting. Um, what yeah. do you think about, you know, so we talked kind of about what, what you want to accomplish. What, uh, what's, what's your proudest moment so far or accomplishment or memory within the industry and, and, and especially Barrett Firearms? Um, you know, my I think my proudest has to be getting uh, the official military fielding of an MRAD, which would have been probably Norway first. You know, and I guess my 98B was before that, too, but the MRAD was, like, really the crown jewel. And, um, you know, that rifle has, is really competing all over the world now in that kind of, like, medium sniper rifle class. And that, that's... 
that's a great honor when it sinks in. And I, I don't think you you don't realize it when you're working on it, like when you're trying to uh, make a contract like that happen, because you know you've probably been through some things like that before. It's a lot of work. I mean, and you really get flogged on everything. Like the product's got to perform, you know, and and you got a lot of different customers that are on the or, or the one customer's got a lot of different decision makers and. It's just a great honor to have have your thing chosen, you know. And oh, of course. So I, that, I, I think for me now, that's it. And you know, who knows? Who knows from here to come? Um, you know, if I can just, I, I, don't, I don't know. That that one for sure, though. Uh, in the past, has been my, my best, my happiest moment. But it's funny. Well, I guess that's, that's excited. Cool. Every time we get a prototype done, you know, every time, like, we shoot a prototype of something or a first production piece, like, every one of those is maybe just as high. You know, that's, like, that's what I do this for. And uh, yeah. so I mean, it's, I, it's, it's, it's almost kind of hard to pick, you know. You and I are kind of the same when it comes to innovation. And, um, you know, I love that, too. But we also know, you know, what feeds the families and pays the bills and keeps us going is production. But, um, yeah. yeah, I think those moments are always going to be the proudest when we see something that works. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, to me, the money's the money. Like, if I have enough money to send my kids to school and feed them and, you know, buy gas to come to work, keep the lights on, pay the employees, like, you know, I couldn't give a yeah. shit less. Um, you know, I'm not looking for public approval. I'm looking for yeah. either military acceptance, commercial acceptance. Um, us doing the right thing, us innovating, and that's what's exciting to me. So I see that with you. I see it with Trey. I see it with a lot of people in the industry. Um, you know, not not the wannabes or the the tag alongers, but um, you know, with, with with those of us who are really kind of moving and shaking. Okay. Well, let, let me let me switch gears again. Favorite hunting card? Well, I think we just summed that up. Uh, it's. Man, I hate to be like so common and cliche, but it's the, it's the Creedmoor. I mean, that's it. It's it's my favorite. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's my go-to. I mean, I I it, was just uh, hunting some big animals on the King Ranch, some Neil guy, and it's the first mm-hmm. time I've moved up from six five Creedmoor in three years. Um, it, you know, it wouldn't do it. You know, these are big, tough, strong animals that weigh yeah, buddy. You know, field dress weigh five hundred pounds when I was hunting Neil guy. Uh, so yeah. I moved up cartridges, but other than that, I use six five Creedmoor. You know, um, you know, I'll shoot elk with it or whatever. Um, you know, and I had to I had to move up for the mill guy, but yeah, six five Creedmoor. I mean, it's easy to love, man. I shoot far with it, and uh, you know, I connect and I kill stuff, and that, that's exciting. So I hear you with that. Um, you know, who who or what inspires you? You know, for me, it sounds like. You know, trying to be innovative, trying to grow the company, trying to be the best, you know, the innovation, you know, inspires you. But I don't want to put words in your mouth. Uh, you know, what inspires you to come to work every day? People or companies or kind of go outside of industry? And do whatever the hell you want, man. Yeah. Um, you know, well, we, hey, we talked about cars a minute ago. So, you know, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a car guy also and a, just an all-around mechanical guy. and from like a, a company standpoint and a passionate brand standpoint, uh, we talk about Porsche a lot. And, uh, you know, and I know they're part of a huge, you know, huge company that tests diesel fumes on monkeys. 
Uh, I don't know if you heard that. They came out today that Volkswagen was doing that. But Porsche. No. Uh, yeah, they took, yeah, yeah. The CEO apologized. <laughs> Man, that sounds so bad. But, um, yeah, the Porsche brand, I mean, you, that's a, there's a history, you know, story brand that uh, yeah. had a Halo, Halo product, like the 911 is like, by a lot of people's standards, just like the greatest sports car ever. But what they've done with their company, like transferring their passion into products that more people access, you know, today they actually make over 75% of their vehicles are four-door vehicles. So the company that, that had the 911 Halo, you know, I think they eventually realized we're going to only sell so many of these $100,000 plus supercars. You know, how do we, how do we carry our innovation and our brand and connect with people who just, who don't, maybe they can afford the 911, but they just don't want it. Like, this doesn't do anything for them. And now they make, you know, these great SUVs and other cars without hurting their brand. You know, it's actually, it's actually a, uh, a virtue to their brand, you know? So yeah. I, I, I don't know. That company, as a company that is in a, that is in a line, uh, that is passionate, they, they really inspire me as a company. I like what they're doing outwardly. I don't know anybody there, but, uh, yeah, I like what they do. Yeah, um, you know, that's interesting. Porsche has always been interesting to me as well. I mean, I've had several. You probably have. Um, I've never owned one. I have never oh, yeah. owned one of those, and I now I got I got to get one. But, you know, now we see Lamborghini doing the same thing. You know, they just launched their first, like, true commercial attempt at an SUV. So I think they're going to pull the same trick. You know, it's how, how do we take a – a brand that's like really aspirational. I, mean, I relate that to our company. You know, we make this ten to twelve thousand dollar fifty caliber rifle. Well, not everybody can have one of those, or even if they can, do they want it? And you know, when I can put the Barrett passion and the DNA and the design philosophy into things that people do use, like the Steelcraft hunting rifle, that that to me feels good. Because I, I mean, we're we're showing our art to more people, right? And it's. uh I don't know. I get, I get a lot out of that. I think there's a great parallel there. It's it's funny because I saw I'm friends with uh, Shaquille O'Neal and saw him in our local yeah saw him in our local gun store in Atlanta the other day. He lives there in Sugarloaf Plantation, and uh, he was asking me. He's in the gun store, and we're you know I, I walk in after he does, and I'm like uh, you know what's going on. He's like, well, I'm thinking about buying some guns. What do you think I should get? And um, they had a Barrett one year, and forgive me, I don't know all the names, but uh, mm-hmm. they had one of yours on the counter, and I said, you should get the Barrett. It's one of the few military arms you can actually buy. And uh, he's like, oh, shit, that's cool. And so he bought mm-hmm. that, and he pulled down the, the Vector 45 off the rack, and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, you play Call of Duty? And he's like, yeah, you know, and uh, um, what's her name, Aisha Tyler or something, the uh, the girl from um, Talk Soup and Archer is one of his playing yeah. partners. And he's like, yeah. yeah. And I was like, that's the dumbest gun in the world. That's how I knew you played it. Like, the bear, cool, that's one of the military arms you can get. But uh, my son, he's 12. He wants the, you know, the Vector as well, and I assume that's why. But anyway, it's pretty funny. But I got him to get a bear. So that was cool. Um, what do you think? Uh, yeah. 
he's cool. He's big too in the barrel. It's like a ten twenty two when he holds it because you know he's like I'm seven foot. Um, well, what uh, what's your favorite gun forum on the internet? Ah, uh, gun forum or uh, blog or whatever the hell they are. I don't know. <laughs> You know, man, I hate 24-hour campfire, and it's like a total hunting for what? them. But, yeah, I love it. I love it. i never even heard of it. 24-hour campfire. Yeah, man, you, you will it. love it. And it's like there there won't be a lot of talk about our products on there, you know, uh, which is fine. But um, about yours or mine, but it's, uh, well, with the Philcraft, they, they are talking about it a lot. But, yeah, it's fun. Uh, you know, and it has varying degrees of quality. Uh, you know, depending on who, who all is actually participating, but yeah, it's cool. Well, well, it may be one of the only it. things, uh, it may be one of the only things I actually look at anymore because, you know, I, I bet you don't read any gun magazine. I don't want to even touch a gun magazine. Uh, so, I, I read like so, few, so few things. I look at, um, soldier systems occasionally in the yeah. firearms blog. But I don't look at anything else. Like, I, I don't fucking yeah. care. Like, I, I know what I need to do. I don't need somebody to tell me. Um, right. All right. Well. I'll, I'll have to what see what people about, are actually doing now. Go ahead. What do you think about the, the haters online? What do you do with that? Man, you know, I look at so little of it. Like, I, I don't care. And it's, um, you know, it's. I, I think you and I will probably get to a point where uh, we know you get some of that stuff. And I don't get it rained on me or anything like that, but, you know, I've been called fat on Instagram. I put a picture of me in Texas up with, like, some animals I killed, and this guy was like, you're fat. And I was like, oh. <laughs> At first I was shocked, and then I was like, wait a minute, like, I'm famous. Like, some guy just dissed me on the Internet, you know, like in my comments yeah. thing. I'm like, I made it. <laughs> You're like one of those Kardashian whores. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, oh. I, 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 get, I, I get it all the time, and, yeah, I don't give a fuck less. Like, yeah, you go back to your job selling insurance, buddy. Fuck off. You know, you change the world and you call me. Um Okay. I probably so, I probably could not handle a lot of it because like I you know, I I don't want to ever hurt anybody's feelings. I really don't. And like I'm probably pretty sensitive about that. So I don't know if I can handle it on major on major scales. I like I like for people to like me and um it makes yeah. me feel good. So maybe I, I mean, haven't got over that yet. I guess I just don't care. <laughs> like I don't, I just don't care. Like I like who I like, and I want them to like me. Everybody else, I don't give a shit. But uh, yeah. that's cool for you. Um, wh- so you own a gun store there in Murfreesboro, next to Barrett. Yeah. What's the, What's the yeah. most interesting part, and what did you learn from that? You know, I did that really strong for like the first three or four years, and now I barely have to go in there. You know, not that I don't want to, but. It's, I got a great team down there, but I learned a lot from it. And, uh, you know, as a manufacturer, you know, here we are, we're manufacturing, marketing, and selling our products down here, but I never stood on the receiving side of all that. So when I opened the store, I got to see how all the other big boys, the big gun companies or the distributors conduct themselves with the individual dealers and, like, what's important to the retailers. 
and, and even on top of that, you get to actually stand in there sometimes and talk to consumers. So for me, it was like really looking behind the curtain. And it actually changed the way, uh, you know, I do a lot of things here at Barrett, um, you know, right down to what the packaging needs to be like on the rifle. I'm like, hey, guys, the label should be on this end of the box along with the UPC code so that when you check it in at the gun store and put it on a shelf, you can read the serial number, you know? And it just things yeah. like that that you deal with from owning a gun store. I just, a, a lot of us would never know uh, if we just stay inside of our, our gun factories. Hmm. Well, yeah, a lot of people don't get that, but it's it, it is, and, and man, it's a it's a lot of perspective on that, like what consumers actually want, what they value, um, you know, like how gun stores sell your products, like how they perceive them. Um, you know, like, you know, like how the cool packaging we make. Uh, you yeah. have like awesome packaging for your stuff, and we have like all of our big guns are in Pelican cases. Like I realized, and it, it should have sunk into me, but until I owned a gun store, I didn't know. Because the guy who comes in and makes the decision to buy a 50 cal Barrett, he has no idea that it comes with this $300 Pelican case until after he made the decision to buy. Like he buys it, and then the the, the gun store guy rolls this big case on. He's like, "Oh, it comes with that too." And the, yeah, the guy behind the counter cool. goes, the guy behind the counter goes, man, I wish I had to remember that so I could have told him about to make the sale easier. But he <laughs> made the decision to buy that thing without that case. So things like that really sink into you after you operate a store for a while. Yeah. You know, I mean, unlike you, I, I, our journey in that regard is different. Like I started my company, my original company, Immigrant Store. So I was, you know, I was very affected by retail early on. But I, I agree. It, it's important because, you know, we get in our offices and we don't really, we don't understand or realize that, you know, the, the, the mentality of the customer that comes into a gun store. And it, it is a good reality check. So I agree with that. Um, yeah. What is, okay, so... What do you expect? You know, I don't know that I know how to frame this into a question, but um, current trend versus fad. What, 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 what you have any comment on that, or do you see anything that's going to be long lasting? Is a you know is a is a um, you know a real as opposed to a trend from a fad? Like what's going on right now that you see that's affecting you? <sighs> you know. Gosh, I, I don't even know if I'm going to be good at spotting a trend over a fad anymore because there's been some things I'm like, well, that'll never – okay, a perfect example of a fad was like the shotgun revolver, you know, the Taurus Judge and like the Smith & Wesson. Yeah. Like, I, I can't even imagine like why that was a thing uh, at all. It, uh, you know, and I love some of the people at those companies, but those were a terrible idea. They're just like there's no purpose for them. So I would say those things were definitely a fad. You know, now, I don't know, you see these things pop up, and sometimes I can't tell, like, what's going to be hot. Like, I saw this non-NFA shotgun thing, like the uh, Mossberg Shockwave, and I thought, yeah, man, like, when that comes to the store, I was like, we're not going to be able to keep those in stock. I got a pile of those at our store, or they do. You know, they just didn't sell all that in that hot. So I thought that would just be something people would be chomping at the bit for. Uh, It also does not make any practical sense as as a firearm for most people, but. I just thought people would go for it. So I, I don't yeah. know. Um, I see uh, now a serious trend, like a trend that's a longer-lasting thing, is that rifles are getting more and more precise. 
like at every yeah. price point. You know, like so here we are with the precision rifle people and like Ruger's in our lane now, as you know I me. Mean, they've got this Ruger precision rifle out here and I'm, and probably for the price that it is, it's probably a great rifle for a lot of people to, to get rolling with. It is the I agree. I mean I, I view the you know, I love the Ruger gun. Like I give it some shit and you know, I don't fucking care. You know, they're not friends of mine. But um, <laughs> I admire Ruger. Ruger's probably my favorite big gun company, and um, yeah. you know that's not including you guys. That's like Ruger, Smith and Wesson, you know, Glock, Sig, whoever yeah. the big ones. Um, Ruger's probably my favorite. But that to me, that's yeah. the gateway drug. So I fucking love it. Keep building them. Like right. you're gonna buy a Barrett, you're gonna buy a Q rifle, you're gonna buy something you know, for. A custom gun, you're going to buy something beyond that because it, that that yeah. gun's not going to satisfy you, but it gets you into our market. So that's cool. Right. Um, wh- what do you think is the most overrated or worst gun in the industry or on the market? Uh, and you don't have to answer uh, if you're like afraid to hurt someone's feelings. I get it. Like, well, there's a lot of women. Overrated or worst gun? It's um. Does that does that press forty five submachine make any sense? I, I don't know. Well, I will like, tell you. When when Shaq bought your Barrett and he bought one of those, that's exactly what I said to him. So I will let yeah. that fly. The Chris forty five is the worst or most overrated gun. And unless you play Call of Duty, there's no way in the fucking world you're buying that piece of shit. So okay, yeah, and I'm not. Um, I'm not. I, I don't have any personal experience with it, so I don't know if it's fantastic or what. But I just don't get it. I guess. No, um, it's not. I, I have know. personal experience with it, and it's not fantastic. Yeah. All right. Oh, so sad. What's the most innovative thing you've seen the last year or two? Uh, it's going to be. It's in optics. To be quite honest, I mean, you know, yeah. And, you you make a great rifle, you know. A lot of people make great rifles that are that are neat, and uh, I love the stuff. I'm all proud of the stuff I do. But as far as like our next breakthrough is in fire control for you know for kinetic weapons uh, until like somebody comes out with the Star Trek phaser. It's uh, yeah yeah uh, new new cards. So optics and ammo. Yeah, like, really yeah. But the the whole uh, disturbed reticle thing is where it's at. I mean, I think that's really going to change how quickly and precisely we engage targets over varying ranges. And I've seen stuff from L3. Uh, you've seen stuff from a few other companies. Or probably probably a few of the big electro-optics guys are on it. Trigicon's got some stuff going. And uh, yeah. that that's, that's what to watch, really, because, you know, everybody now makes a rifle. I say everybody, but a lot of people make a rifle that can deliver, you know, five projectiles under a minute of angle. But when you swing that underneath uh, a superb optic that has like instantaneous firing solutions, that like that changes everything. So that's yeah, that's what I believe it's that. That's the that's one of the only real true innovations I think I've seen. And you know, I was joking going into shot show that the most innovative thing on the floor was going to be designed by John Moses Browning, and it, I kind of felt <laughs> like it was. Like after leaving it, I just not anything really. You know, it's that it's that new. So Yeah. I mean I think you and me and Trey, you know, all being buddies kind of agree that until there's another cartridge, you know, Gene Stoner and John Browning 
there ain't going to be a whole lot more fucking innovation. I mean, that, that's just kind of where it's at. You know, we can evolve product and, and, and we can kind of adhere to some requests, but, you know, they were true innovators and the metallic cartridge's been out there a long time. There ain't a whole lot left to do with it. Um, yeah. So, okay. Um, let me try to get through the next couple of these in the next few minutes. Uh, biggest advancements. We talked about that. Uh, proudest moment of Barrett. We talked about that. Um, you know, what, what drives you? I believe we, we touched on that. Um, uh, you know, okay. So we have a question here. How'd you get in the industry? You know, your dad, that's clear. Um, most, most fun. Um, bad job. Favorite cartridge. We've got, you know, shit. We, we've, um, really covered a lot of this. Um, this would have been uh, even more fun if we were face to face. Ah, God, I know. You think I'm so cute. Um, I know, man. What's your favorite movie? My favorite movie is, um, I've got several, but I think my go-to is Unforgiven. Directed and starring, starring Clint Eastwood, directed by Clint Eastwood in 1994, I think. It was uh, Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman. Do you remember this? It's a Western. Yeah, I think this is like 98, but yeah. Bill um, Money, yeah. William Money, awesome movie. Well, um, well, so what are some of your others? I I, I watched the other day. I had to rewatch uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Fantastic film. Oh like, just yeah, like, yeah, that's cool. It does it does like everything I need, like you know, comedically, oh, like intellectually. Unforgiven, like, you're right. Sorry. Oh, we were both wrong. Ninety two, yeah. Ninety-two. So, um, yeah, that's that's another great one. Um, yeah, you, you know, for me, it's it's like funny running my company and movies, and maybe it's just me, or maybe I, I don't know what the fuck it is, but like it's got to be funny and interesting. So, yeah. like, I love um, shit that's funny. Um, yeah, you know, I, I love Boondock Saints because it's funny yeah. and it's interesting and it's to shoot 'em up. Um. So that's cool. You've got to go back and go back and watch Grand Budapest Hotel before. I'm sure you've seen it, but you got to watch it again. It it has everything, and it it is hilarious, you know. And it's excellent. Watched on the airplane coming back from shot. (laughs) Okay, I'll watch it. Uh, Well, what else? Anything else you want to cover? What What else is up with you or Barrett or? Man, I'm building a bridge. I'm building a huge bridge right now. Um, at your farm? farm? Yeah. 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 Like, so yeah. I, I had a crossing. Buddy, I've been there. And, yeah. I've been there. I've been there several times. Bridges are expensive, it turns out. So. Well, you know, you know what I found is you should buy a flatbed and take the wheels off and turn that into a bridge. That turned out to be the cheapest thing for me after I built three. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll do that on my third one. Because <laughs> this one, I, it's almost <laughs> done. And, I had these guys that build like municipal, like county bridges, and that's what I got, and it's looking awesome so yeah. far. So, oh, well, that's concrete cool. on it well, I'm still waiting for my invite, you motherfucker. Um, dude, it, dude, it's open constantly. I've had you done it before, Kevin, but yes, I know when you go do something. You're you're always yeah. like, I'm busy. I'm going to the Grand Ole Opry. I'm going to the White House. 
I'm going to a movie premiere. I'm going to the Grammys with Zach Brown. Like, you always have this bullshit. <laughs> oh, man. I found way more interesting when you tell it. That is so cool. <laughs> You're like, I've got my dick slung over my shoulder. I'm going to do things. Kevin, you can't come down. That's all I hear. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. But, uh, I have been yeah, working myself I mean, to death, but that sounds better. <clears throat> well, well let, let's do it. And I'm telling you, the flatbed for your next bridge, my man. Um, well, no Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and my 24 listeners. And um, I miss and I love you. And I'm glad things are going good for you. And, um, man, that's just awesome. Like, I love to hear you're doing good. And uh, Same for you. Man, I appreciate your time. And, uh, well, let's get together, man. I'm coming to your farm. I'm coming in a couple weeks, so get your ass ready. All right. It'll be ready. I'll be ready. If if there's not bourbon there, I'm burning that motherfucker down. All right? So just so you know. You'll be swimming in it, brother. All right. Well, my man, man, I appreciate it. All right. See ya. Have a good day.